Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's ironic, some would say outrageous, that at a time when more than half of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, banks are levying more fees on their customers than ever before. But they're also offering customers more ways to avoid them. We'll break down the results of Bankrate's annual study on account charges. Also this morning, as Medicare recipients begin to evaluate the benefits they want from their Advantage plans, Silver Sneakers is a popular option, especially now with a variety of online fitness programs for seniors. Final week of the high school football regular season will tell you who's in, who's out, and who needs help to make the playoffs. And we have another round of tasty and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, October 22nd, 2021. So, tell you something about myself that you may not know. I uh, I am a license plate collector. That's a, I, I collect a license plate. I find them fascinating. Um, probably because I can't afford the cars, <laughs> classic cars that you put the, the plates on. Um, but I just, I think it goes back to um, when I was uh, really young, when I was little, our family uh, traveled an awful lot. Um, and we, we drove places all over the country in the summertime. Uh, our whole family would pack up and we'd hit the, hit the highway and we'd take these long summer vacations in the car. And, um, so traveling across the country, you'd see all of these different people from all these different States and different license plates. And I find the designs of license plates, uh, to be really fascinating. And historically, Ohio has had, frankly, rather boring license plate designs. But yesterday, uh, the uh, new standard issue license plate for the state of Ohio was unveiled. And it uh, I think it's lovely. It has uh, generated an awful lot of discussion and debate online. Some people like the design. Some people really, really don't like the design. I saw someone post yesterday, I will move out of the state before I will put this license plate on my car. But uh, it's it's a uh, a new, it's similar to the last license plate that we had before the uh, current one with the uh, so-called beautiful Ohio plate with the uh, scene from the farm and uh, city silhouette in the background. And it's similar to that. Um, but one of the features on the license plate was the original Wright Brothers flyer, the first heavier-than-air uh, airplane that they flew at, uh, at Kitty Hawk. And, of course, the Wright Brothers uh, were from Dayton and developed their plane out of their bicycle cho- shop in uh, Dayton. And Ohio has uh, claimed to be the birthplace of aviation ever since. But the problem was the design featured the the uh, Wright Brothers flyer was backwards on the uh, because it looks like the Wright flyer is pulling a banner that says birthplace of aviation. And if it was pulling the banner, the plane was backwards. Um, and so they fixed it and they reposted the design and apologized. And the state of North Carolina, they took some heat for the license uh, for the uh, Wright brothers flyer uh, being backwards in the original design and the state of North Carolina, which has laid claim to being first in flight 
on their license plates for many years because it was Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, where the Wright brothers actually flew for the first time. The, the state of North Carolina trolled the state of Ohio uh, for their mistake on the license plate by posting on Twitter, hey, lay off Ohio. They wouldn't know they weren't there. <laughs> so um, well played, North Carolina. Well played. Uh, that's Anyway. So if you haven't seen the, uh, the new plate, uh, you, can, uh, you can check that out. Online and before too long on our cars, just kind of uh, kind of interesting. I think it's a lovely design, but that's uh, that's just me. So here's uh, one of the first things you need to know this morning. Uh, you will soon be able to buy beanless coffee, coffee grown in a lab, and why not? We've got lab-grown meat and lab-grown fish and lab-grown crops. Why not lab-grown coffee? Uh, the Guardian newspaper uh, is reporting that Seattle's Atomo Coffee, is that how you pronounce it? A-T-O-M-O, Atomo Coffee. It's a startup. Startup company is already producing it in small batches. The ingredients include date seed extracts, um, grape skin, caffeine, chicory root, lab-grown coffee, they say is an environmentally friendly product. Coffee bean farming is a contributor to the climate crisis and is vulnerable to its effects. It is causing deforestation and increasing carbon emissions, they say. And this is much more environmentally friendly. And yes, it still has caffeine, so you should be okay with that. But uh, beanless coffee, that is, the, uh, that is the latest thing. Something you need to know. You know, we've been uh, talking this week about the great resignation, the phenomenon of people leaving their jobs in the wake of the pandemic. Yesterday, we were talking about the great resettling, where people are not necessarily leaving their jobs altogether, but reprioritizing things like work-life balance and their career path and, and things like that. Uh, it all circles back to the labor shortage that is happening in the U.S., and that has been blamed on lazy workers, workers being disincentivized by expanded unemployment benefits during the pandemic and so on. But results of a new survey suggest that there is another reason to blame for the labor shortage in the U.S., and that is customers who have treated workers poorly. So that's right. According to this survey, if you want to know the reason for the labor shortage, look in the mirror. It's basically what there's a poll of restaurant workers earlier this year said 80%, 80% said that they had experienced hostile behavior from customers who did not want to follow COVID-19 safety protocols. 80%, about half, said they were considering leaving their jobs and of that group, 40% said it was because of customer hostility and harassment. Survey of restaurant workers released in August. And by the way, restaurant workers, they're talking waitresses, waitress, uh, waiters and waitresses, um, uh, bus staff, uh, maitre d's, you know, the, the whole thing. They take a lot of abuse from customers all the time. It's not just during the pandemic, but it has heightened, been heightened during the pandemic. 
survey of restaurant workers released in August showed similar results. More than 66%, two-thirds, said a key reason for the labor shortage was customer disrespect. And it's not just restaurants. Uh, stores such as Gap and H&M are trying to rebalance the power between customers and workers by launching campaigns to shield their workers from hostile customers. Um, Mark Cohen, who is director of retail studies at Columbia Business School, says workers will understandably understandably seek a best decision for themselves, something they haven't had the luxury of in the past. And that's that's the other thing. Uh, workers just simply have more options now for you don't want to work in a restaurant and get harassed by customers or work in a retail store and get harassed by customers. There are plenty of other options out there. You I'm interesting. By the way, speaking of restaurants, uh, would you want to go to a restaurant that deliberately serves up frustration? Maybe this is the solution to customers behaving poorly in certain restaurants, give them a place where they can vent. There's a new pop-up restaurant in Sydney, Australia, called Karen's Diner, which promises rude staff and poor service <laughs> to allow diners to vent their frustration and get the thrill of complaining. <laughs> the website for the restaurant states, it's a place where you can complain until the cows come home because we literally don't care. Our staff are rude, our manners are non-existent, and we are the perfect place for Karens everywhere to vent their anger and dismay at the world. Karens Diner, aptly, aptly named for the term given to entitled customers everywhere. I love it. I think that's awesome. That should uh, They should franchise that. Actually, they, they have kind of franchise that dick's last resort in this country is sort of the same thing but this takes it to a new level they say so and uh lastly among the first things you need to know this morning to get your friday morning started you know the super viral hit show squid game on netflix we've talked about this we talked about it yesterday uh, squid game if you are one of the many squid game fans there is now a new alarm clock based on the hit netflix series that wakes you up with a dart to the head <laughs> now this is the thing squid game if you don't know if you're not familiar it's a very violent tv show and it, the premise is kind of like the hunger games in that the premise is uh, people compete for this astronomical cash prize, like millions of dollars in this reality competition. But if they lose, they get executed. And the possibility of a huge payoff, but if the, the stakes are pretty high because if you lose, you get executed. So uh, this alarm clock is, uh, uh, if you don't, basically, if you don't heed the warning to wake up in time the the dolls it's a it's a doll with an alarm clock holding holding a time display and if you don't get up when the alarm goes off within a certain amount of time the doll's neck stretches open she turns toward you in your bed and fires a dart at your head <laughs> that will get you up i think that will uh give you the inspiration uh, to wake up. I, I would imagine it's like a suction dart. It's not, you know, a 
dart dart, but still. <laughs> the inventor has posted a clip of the Squid Game alarm clock on uh, on YouTube so you can see it in action. So there you go. Uh, some of the most interesting, and I, would you would you buy? I mean, if you're a fan of the show, maybe so, but uh, <laughs> I think that's a little extreme for me. But then again, the hour that I wake up, the last thing I need is a dart in the head. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Partly sunny today with a high of 55. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 41. 50 North is asking voters to support the renewal of the senior services levy in Hancock County. Don Weber is president to the Board of Trustees. 50 North gives the seniors in this community a safe environment in which to stay healthy, socialize, and learn new things. Its wellness center, cafe, chore services, social workers, and activities including travel opportunities provide strong resources that allow our senior population to thrive. He says demand for their services has increased by 76% since their last levy. The general election is coming up on Tuesday, November 2nd. Ohio lawmakers are filing what some are calling an anti-transgender bill. House Bill 454 would prohibit doctors from offering any kind of hormone therapy or gender reassignment surgery to transgender youth. The measure would define the treatment as unprofessional conduct and could put providers in the position to be sued. The bill also says teachers, nurses, and counselors cannot withhold information from parents about a student questioning their gender. The Ohio Department of Health is working with doctors, hospitals, schools, and pharmacies to ready for the anticipated rollout of a COVID vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds. Michael Story, a medication use strategist from Nationwide Children's Hospital Pharmacy, says the authorization is expected the first week of November. The timing could be interesting because boosters could also soon be authorized for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. We're looking at trying to provide boosters to as many of our staff and as many others who come from the community as possible in the next two weeks. According to the White House, 15 million doses will be shipped to providers across the U.S. in the first week after a ONN's Yolanda Harris reporting. Seconds after the state unveiled the new Ohio license plate, people started commenting on how the plane was oriented in the wrong direction. The Ohio BMV later posted a correction saying they regretted the error and that the correct image will be included on the new plates. The new plates will be available to drivers beginning December 29th. Ohio last updated its standard license plate design eight years ago. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, it is somewhat ironic, some would say infuriating, that at a time when more than half of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, banks are charging more fees, paying less interest, and imposing higher minimum balance requirements than ever before. Bankrate.com is out with their annual checking account and ATM fee study, and Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride is with us once again. Greg, hit some of the highlights of uh, this year's study for us, some of the things that uh, stood out for you. Well, you touched on the fact that we've seen new record highs in overdraft charges uh, and some checking account fees and balance requirements. Uh, I say some because what we see is a real dichotomy. Interest-bearing accounts, not only is the interest earnings at a record low this year, uh, but the balance requirement to avoid fees and the monthly fee that the account carries both hit new record highs. On the flip side, non-interest accounts 
Uh, different trend at play. We actually saw more free checking accounts this year hmm. than we've seen in any year since 2010. Nearly half of banks offering a free checking account uh, of the non-interest variety. Very interesting. Now, as far as the fees go, some of this can be explained by the fact that when you are living paycheck to paycheck, you are more likely to become overdrawn on your bank account. And that is true pandemic or not. But while it seems as though some businesses over the past year or so have gone the extra mile to be accommodating to those who are struggling, this study would suggest that banks have been less so. And it's so it's probably fair that they should take some criticism for this. Well, it's been a more of a mixed bag. I mean, yes, we did see some fees going up, balance requirements going up, but we also saw some fees going down. Uh, and that's counter to the longstanding trend. I mean, we've been looking at this for over 20 years and, you know, more years than not, fees tend to go up. Um, they don't always go up at a, uh, at a very heady pace. Uh, they, in some cases, they, basically keep pace with inflation over time. Uh, but the trend is, is very clear when we look at it over time. Uh, so when we see things that fees that actually go down or we see more free accounts, that's worth pointing out. Uh, and I mentioned we had some of the most free accounts that we've seen in 11 years. Uh, we're also seeing banks being more permissible when it comes to making an out-of-network ATM transaction. When you go outside mm-hmm. the network, you typically pay two fees. You pay the ATM owner and you pay your own bank. What we're seeing is that more banks are allowing their customers to go outside the network and they won't charge them a fee. Of course, you still have to pay the ATM owner. So it's still not something that you want to make a habit out of. Uh, but you know, these are just examples of instances where you know, we've seen, you know, a, a trend on, on certain account types or certain transaction types that's much different from the, you know, you know, to, from what we're seeing on things like interest accounts or uh, the more punitive charges like overdrafts. That is very interesting, especially because uh, many banks I know are starting to close branches and push people to their apps and ATMs instead, which is fine, except that you, you can't deposit or withdraw cash from your smartphone app. And so then, and my bank, I know, for example, my bank uh, is not only closing the branch that I usually go to, they're removing the ATM machine there too. So that's going to uh, drive people more and more to foreign ATMs. Well, the rural areas in particular have been hard hit by branch closures. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, more of this is because consumers are leading banks to it than banks leading consumers to it. Fair uh, enough. You know, there's, you know, m- much of the transactions take place in the digital space right now. And there's just isn't the foot traffic to support a lot of branches, particularly those that don't have a lot of deposits. And unfortunately, that tends to be more remote branches or in those in rural areas, much more so than those in metropolitan areas. And those are the branches that tend to get consolidated. And it, it produces that scenario you just talked about where, you know, people are left without the, the branch access mm-hmm. or the ATM access. Um, and, it, you know, I would just stress it's really important to shop around. You know, a lot of smaller community banks and credit unions, not only do they have that presence in the, you know, the more rural area that a bank may not, but oftentimes they belong to much larger ATM alliances uh, across the country. You can literally have tens of thousands of ATMs that you can use free of charge anywhere, you know, regardless of where you are in the country. So being a customer of a 
smaller community bank or credit union yeah. does not put you at a disadvantage in that realm. In fact, if anything, it probably gives you an advantage yeah. because you have even more ATMs at your disposal. Well, and I wonder, too, uh, if that decrease in ATM fees uh, is... Uh, certainly a strategy on the part of the banks, knowing that you know, people are relying more on ATMs and in some cases foreign ATMs. If those fees would continue to go up as well, that might attract the attention of regulators. And certainly the banks don't want regulators to st- step in and take a, a close look at you know, some of these fees and, and putting caps and limits on them. Well, the ATM fees, what we see are, you know, it's, it tends to be tied to specific account types. Uh, and so it's not necessarily an across the board reduction of fees as much as it's for this type of account. Mm-hmm. You can make unlimited withdrawals outside the network and okay. we won't charge you yeah. for, you know, this other account it's going to cost. That's been the, you know, the, the, the trend that we've seen uh, unfolding over the last few years. Uh, you know, the, the overdraft fees, that was one where we have seen banks take some baby steps uh, in an effort to, I think, stave off some of the regulatory or legislative uh, concerns. It's definitely been in the crosshairs. Uh, so what we see with overdrafts, even though the fees continue to march higher, we're seeing more wiggle room than existed in the past. For example, we found that 60% of banks in the survey do offer some latitude before you get charged that overdraft, you know, in, in some cases it can just be, you know, a token if you're, you know, overdrawn by less than five dollars, they won't charge you the fee. But in other cases, it could be much more significant. Uh, they may, uh, you know, waive one or two overdrafts per year, mm. uh, that type of thing. They may give you a certain amount of time to get money back into the account before they charge you an overdraft. Yeah, those policies didn't exist five or ten years ago, and I think those are the exact uh, the exact reason that we're seeing that is because overdraft fees in particular have come under the regulatory and legislative crosshairs. And yeah. so you've seen some efforts there to kind of keep uh, further action at bay. And and to be fair, those same apps uh, are also giving consumers more tools to manage their balances and get advanced warnings when funds are low or if they've gone into the red. So uh, banks have, in some cases, maybe with ulterior motives, but given some consumer-friendly things within their apps that should make it easier to avoid what fees they can from the consumer side those are really important details because you can set up some lines of defense Uh, you can set up a link between your checking account and your savings account so that in the event of a slip up it's your money not the bank's money that covers the shortfall you can as you said sign up for email or text alerts that let you know when your balance gets below a certain level so that you can proactively move money into the account and avoid an overdraft and another good habit to develop uh, you know, we go everywhere with our phones, pull out your phone, pull up the bank app, see what your available account balance is before you initiate transactions. That check you deposited yesterday probably isn't available for immediate withdrawal. Yeah. You want to know that before you initiate transactions that might otherwise trigger an overdraft. So you can use a lot of these, uh, you know, the tech, you know, the technological advances to your advantage as a way to avoid fees. And, and I, you know, I think that's really a main point. Even though we see fees continue to go up, 
What also is on the rise are the ways to avoid them. And and I think, you know, that's really where consumers need to focus their efforts. Yeah. In the end, uh, the bottom line takeaway from the study uh, is the bank fees continue to go up, uh, in some cases becoming harder to avoid with higher minimum balance requirements and so on. And it's not just because of the pandemic, which means that absent any sort of new regulations, it's not likely to change post-pandemic. Consumers uh, obviously have to be more proactive on this. Yeah, I mean, we've looked at this for over 20 years. Good economy, bad economy, pandemic, not pandemic, you name it. Fees have tended to go up. Uh, and so, but we've also seen over that, you know, those past two decades or so, we've also seen more ways that you can avoid the fees. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, really a key point. You know, even an account that has a fee uh, for, you know, like a checking account that's not free, it can become free oftentimes with something as simple as direct deposit. So I mentioned that nearly half of banks offer a non-interest account that's free. We also found another 40% of them offer an account that, okay, it's not free, but it can become free just by signing up for direct deposit. Well, a lot of people have their paychecks direct deposited anyway. So, you know, the lion's share of, of account holders have the potential of getting that very account for free. Again, Bankrate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride with us uh, this morning. And your annual checking account and ATM fee study is available online, right? Yes, available at bankrate.com. You know, you can not only read up on the results, but, you know, look, if you're in an account that has a balance requirement or charges a monthly fee, uh, it's important to shop around. There are plenty of alternatives out there. You want to get to a point where you're not encumbered by balance requirements, where you're not getting dinged by monthly fees. You can use that bankrate.com to find a better alternative for your needs. And we will link up those resources on our webpage. Greg, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. Well, this is kind of uh, expanding on something we were talking about a little bit earlier in the week. According to a new survey from Silver Sneakers, one in four seniors are taking fitness classes online with more than half of those seniors having participated in some virtual fitness class in the last quarter. 82% saying they intend to continue doing so. Julie Logue is Senior Training Manager at Tivity Health and the Silver Sneakers Fitness Program. And Julie, back a year ago, would you uh, envision, would you have envisioned this being so popular among seniors? I mean, generally, we think of, uh, tend to think of this age group as being somewhat averse to technology. Absolutely. I, I think I had that same hesitation and I have just been wowed, you know, at the levels of participation that we're seeing amongst our membership. And of course, the importance of keeping active as we get older is well documented for seniors, especially. Absolutely. You know, now more than ever, Chris, we're just we're seeing after, you know, 18 months of being safer at home that oftentimes there's a physical decline that's occurred with a decrease in physical activity and, you know, decreased access to loved ones and to to social, you know, to social engagement opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so right now we are really hoping to get people active to to, you know, get them up and running again, maybe to where they were pre-pandemic, but really stave off those things like chronic conditions and falls and help boost mood and and improve how they feel every day. And certainly it appears from the survey results, a number of uh, seniors are responding uh, to that call. Why silver sneakers as opposed to uh, other fitness programs? I mean, there are others out there. What do you bring to the table that is unique? Yeah, I think right now, particularly with our live online classes, we are providing 
you know, top-notch, really um, highly skilled, highly trained uh, instructors to our members you know, live online. So I think there's a level of expertise that we bring, but we also have just a variety of signature formats that work to not only increase physical activity, but also to do things like improve brain health and and help prevent falls. So it's a program that's designed specifically with the older adult in mind. So for those who have not uh, taken part in this uh, online fitness revolution, if you will, how do seniors Mm -hmm. start and maintain that home fitness routine? Yeah, so it's as easy as uh, looking at silversneakers.com to check your eligibility and to see if you have access to our programming you know, but but more than that, uh, getting online and, and collecting information, I just encourage people who are who are starting out to really find something that that's safe for them, that's enjoyable for them, and that's convenient. So if it is working out from the comfort of your home, we have a lot of options to help you get started. And there are uh, a number of fitness level options as well. This is I, I can hear some people say, well, that that would be great for starters, but am am I going to get bored with it? Sure. You know, so our, our main membership is, is adults 65 and older. And, and within that range, we certainly have people that are, um, you know, needing less intensity as they work out, but also individuals who are very fit and very active. And so we're providing a wide range of programming that meets the needs of everybody. If you're interested in, in something gentle, we have things like chair-based yoga. If you're interested in something, you know, more intense, we've got uh, some pretty high-intense cardio offerings. We've got total body strength uh, programs, all taught, again, by these uh, these really highly trained and qualified instructors. Now, one of the things that you were mentioning a little bit earlier, and I want to go back and, and kind of focus on this for a moment, you talk about the social interaction and the need for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that social stimulation as well. Is that something that is missing, though, from the home fitness, the virtual fitness uh, classes? I mean, do do seniors interact with others uh, in that type of environment? Absolutely, Chris. I think it's just a little, it's a little bit different. And as somebody who's taught in-person classes, you know, for over 20 years, I was a little hesitant myself as to how I would create that sense of connection online. But it's amazing what you can do via a chat box or via the Q&A or, or just by sharing your story as you teach a class. So we're finding members exchanging emails. I certainly get a, you know, a flood of emails every day with success stories and, and people who are grateful for the programming options. So I will say, you know, hands down, we've still been able to create sort of the sense of community or the sense of family in each and every class. And again, interesting in this survey that a large number of those who have participated uh, in these fitness classes online intend to continue doing doing so. So uh, again, even if you're overcoming a bit of hesitation to begin with, it, it seems as though it doesn't take long for uh, folks to be sold on this. Absolutely, and you know, thirty five percent of our of our current participants are are brand new to us, so they haven't engaged with us in a fitness center. So I think it just speaks to how comfortable people can be exercising from their home. You know, uh, home-based exercise just 
reduces your barrier and makes it more convenient. And so I think it's a really great option for everyone to explore. You mentioned something real quickly, and just to touch on this, that uh, a large number, I think you said, what, 35% are those who have not interacted uh, in person with a Silver Sneakers program before. Can yeah. you can you transition from uh, online to an in-person program or, or back and forth uh, between the two, depending on uh, schedule, need, uh, availability, that kind of thing? Absolutely. It's so versatile. So you can visit any one of our in-person partnering locations. So say you're on vacation and you want to visit a location there, you can, as well as just this hybrid approach is, is what we're calling it. Those that want to engage in the fitness center, but also want the convenience of still having some home-based options. So you can certainly do one or the other or both. Again, Julie Logue is Senior Training Manager at Tivity Health in the Silver Sneakers Fitness Program. Where do folks uh, learn more about this? Yes, it's a really important time right now. We're in open enrollment, and so if you're eligible for a Medicare Advantage plan, now is the time to get information on if your plan has Silver Sneakers or not. And you can do that by uh, logging into silversneakers.com. Again, building on what we were talking about earlier this week in the uh, Medicare open enrollment period open now. Julie, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hard to believe it's already the final week of the high school football regular season. The Trojans tonight will host Lima Sr. coming off a big 47-30 win over St. John's last week. In case you missed it, on the Coach's Corner Wednesday evening, our John Marshall caught up with head coach Stefan Adams. First, let's talk a little bit about last week's win over St. John's. 47-30 47-30 the final score, and uh, they scored a couple of times late yep. once you started doing some substitutions. You often talk about starting fast, getting momentum, taking it to the opponent, and that appears to be exactly what happened last week. Yeah, I thought we did a good job of coming out fast, uh, firing off and getting two touchdowns uh, You know, back-to-back. I thought our you know, well-executed plays. I uh, was really excited by our execution of our linemen. We hit one screen pretty early on, and to watch uh, you know Luke Montgomery be able to come off and get a block on a cornerback or a safety, and then watch Matt Searles, who's worked tremendously hard all offseason on losing weight and being as fit as he can and being able to run, seeing him downfield getting the block to really spring Ben, uh, what was awesome because uh, we you know he, he we've challenged him to get downfield and. He uh, couldn't wait for the opportunity, and, and what a way to start the game. Ryan Montgomery, your freshman yep. quarterback, threw for five touchdowns. Isaac James carried almost 200 yards. Justin Roth had over 100 yards receiving. Ben Ireland had catches for almost 100 yards. Max Roth had catches for 30. Terry and Ross pulled down a couple passes for almost 40. That's a lot of cylinders firing on your yes, offense. It yes, it is. Uh, we're very thankful for the balance that we finally were able to achieve. Uh, like I said, we've looked at what we've done after five games and made some changes, and you know, still looking at it like we, you know the wholesale changes that we did, we're still getting better at it, right? We're still cleaning things up. We're still kind of learning, and we're still trying to find that true balance. Uh, and when a lot of guys, and we say when our offense, when a lot of guys are touching the ball and making plays, this offense goes, and, and we were able to do just that. The defense seems to have had a pretty good night, too. A couple yeah. of interceptions, a lot of good work inside, giving up uh, less than 140 yards on the ground. Not much more through the air either. Yeah, no, great job by those guys. I mean, we kind of had a good game plan coming in. We kind of knew the tendencies of what their quarterback liked to do. Um, you know, we, we, 
let them get outside the pocket a couple times, but we're still very confident in our, you know, our defensive back's ability to be able to cover their guys. Uh, and we made some big plays when it counted. And uh, one big play was Terryon Ross picking off. And uh, as a senior leader, uh, you know, he really sparks off that defensive backfield. So very good job by him and the DBs and the coaches. We go to week 10, yep. the playoff berth. That's already sewn up, but still plenty to play for. No doubt about it. We're able to celebrate our 18 seniors, all the work that they've put in this program. Um, and also a lot to play for, like you said, too. I mean, we, we know what's at stake here. We want to be able to solidify uh, a top seed. Um, in our region, we want to be able to secure as best of a result as we can in our track um, and really cap off this five-game stretch that I, I think we set out to be 5-0. and uh, And all the work that's gone in, all the changes that were made to really cap it off with 5-0 uh, the second half of the season is kind of our main goal. Now you've got Lima Senior. The Spartans not having a great year at 3-5 and five overall, 2-4 and four in the track. But yep. even after losing four straight, it's clear that they're not going down without a fight. Mm-hmm. How do you see this one playing out? You know, I really don't, and I don't say this just kind of coach speak, but I really don't look at the records of, you know, our track opponents. I mean, every, I said it before, everybody's playing the same teams. They're all playing good football. That's going to get you better, uh, make you better. And, uh, you know, if you're able to exceed expectations and you're at the top, and you're a pretty darn fo- good football club. So, you know, I feel like, you know, we're getting a tough football team. We're getting a very um, fast physical uh, they have a lot of playmakers on the, the field for them, and you know it's one of those games where you those guys you allow them to they're going to get pretty confident pretty quickly if you're not able to wrap up tackle if you're not able to make any plays on them, and uh, if you don't start fast and give them that belief, uh, they can run with that very very quickly. So another dangerous opponent, another uh, another opponent right now in the way of what our goals and. We're looking forward to the challenge. The Trojans host the Spartans this evening. Our coverage begins with tonight in high school football from the Ohio News Network right after the 6 o'clock news, followed by Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height with a call on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Other action we are following tonight around the area. Macomb is at Liberty Benton. That one on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA. Big showdown in the BBC. It'll be a great game. Van Buren is at Van Lu. Corey Rawson at Pandora Gilboa. Arlington is at North Baltimore. Arcadia travels to Riverdale. Waynesfield Goshen is at Harden Northern tonight. Lake is at Fostoria. Elmwood at Rossford. Allen East at Ada. Bluffton at Columbus Grove. Lipsick travels to Crestview. And over on 106.3 The Fox, Ottawa Glandorf is at Kenton this evening. And you can follow all of those games and more in real time on the WFIN scoreboard page powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College at WFIN.com slash scoreboard and linked up at goodmornings.net. So, what does the playoff picture look like? Well, with a win, the Findlay Trojans would lock up a home game to open the playoffs next week. Same deal with both Liberty Benton and Macomb, who play each other. Elsewhere in the BVC, Arlington and Pandora, uh, Arlington and Pandora Gilboa uh, need wins and some help to lock up, lock up a playoff spot for sure as does Van Buren, but all of those teams uh, have a very good chance of playing in Week 11. Riverdale, Arcadia, North Baltimore, Corey Rawson, and Van Lu have all been eliminated. Lipsick is in. Harden Northern can get in with a win. 
Cary, Columbus Grove, Bluffton, Eastwood, Elmwood, Lakota, and Ottawa Glandorf are all in as well. So our, our area going to be very represent well represented for the playoffs this year, it looks, as we head toward the football playoffs and very soon high school basketball season. You can catch the Coach's Corner with John Marshall live from Ralphie's Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. or anytime on demand at WFIN.com. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Usually, people who win big lottery jackpots have big plans for the money. They want to upgrade their homes, buy fancy new cars, take a long-deserved vacation. One Florida man who won a million dollars in that state's lottery has a much more modest goal. Tops on the list for Brian Nelson, age 26, of Leesburg, Florida, is to upgrade to an electric toothbrush. (laughs) That's what he said that he wanted to do with his money. He wanted to get an electric toothbrush. And he went on to say he was going to splurge on a good pair of (laughs) flip-flops. Well, he is in Florida. You need a good pair of flip-flops if you live in Florida. Mr. Nelson told lottery officials on Tuesday in a news release uh, that he traveled to Tallahassee to claim his prize with his fiancée of one month, Emily Pelton. He bought a $20 Gold Rush Limited scratch-off ticket at a Quick Mart in Leesburg, chose to take his winnings in a one-time lump-sum payment of (laughs) $795,000. Immediately went out and shopped for an electric toothbrush. I like it. I, Of course he was being facetious. But uh, that's funny. <laughs> Elsewhere in the uh, broken news this morning, a 22-year-old Kansas man has pleaded guilty to federal charges after drunkenly shutting down an entire region's water system back in March of 2019. <laughs> I think we've all done things when we are a little bit inebriated, when we've tied one on, when we've had one too many. I think we've all done something that we're not particularly proud of. But uh, Wyatt uh, Travnicek, former employee, former employee of the Post Rock Rural Water District in Ellsworth, Kansas, I uh, was sentenced to a year behind bars on charges of tampering with a public water system and reckless damage to a public computer during unauthorized access. Uh, this is a report from the Wichita Eagle. Prosecutors say Mr. Travnicek cut off the water supply at a plant that serves about 1,500 customers after remotely accessing the control system. He had resigned from the water district about two, mon- two months prior to the drunken act of sabotage. The defendant, according to Assistant U.S. Attorney Christine Kenney, the defendant said he was so intoxicated he didn't remember anything. (laughs) That's a big oops right there. That is a big oops. They don't take too kindly to that. Uh, Let's see. You remember the story we had, what was about a week ago, the guy who was being chased by police and called the police dispatcher to tell them to back off. (laughs) Apparently, it's happened again. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, 
A suspect led cops on a wild car chase in a stolen Honda before crashing it into another vehicle and then taking off on foot. Somehow he managed to evade police, but at one point during the car chase, a helicopter had eyes on the suspect. So he hatched a plan to get them off his tail by dialing 911. <laughs> just call them and telling them, hey, I don't want you to follow me anymore. <laughs> uh, California Highway Patrol Sergeant John Coven said the thief demanded that the aircraft stop following him and, quote, made a few statements to our dispatch and related that he wasn't going back to jail, unquote. Apparently it worked because the suspect is still on the loose in this case. <laughs> I don't think they deliberately backed off, but still they didn't catch him. So weird. Maybe it does work. A Pittsburgh man is facing charges after he reportedly threw a pumpkin at a woman's head. <laughs> Halloween, I guess. 40-year-old James Gaziz is facing counts of aggravated assault and propulsion of missiles. Propulsion of missiles is a specific crime, I suppose, I guess. Um, Mr. Gaziz admitted to throwing the pumpkins after he claimed the woman nearly hit her child, uh, nearly hit his child, but uh, police say that that claim was proven unfounded by surveillance video. So, <laughs> Just... Chucked a pumpkin, chucked a pumpkin at her head. Can't do that. I don't know, did pumpkin qualify as a missile? I guess in this case it would. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a man in Marion County, Florida, is in jail without bond, facing charges in the shooting of his neighbor. Detectives say 58-year-old Clifton Bliss Jr. got angry because his neighbor's cat was on his property. And so he did what any reasonable person would do in that situation. He grabbed a weapon and, sh and shot 40-year-old James Taylor Jr. <laughs> because his cat was in his yard. Well, if, if there's ever been a justifiable shooting, that's it right there. That's... Gee whiz. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills, and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 W. WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time for your daily download now. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Everybody's got a recipe or two or three or dozen or so that have been handed down for generations. Family recipes that grandma made, you know, that mom made, the grandma made, the great grandma made, generation upon generation. Well, 
While these recipes are still being handed down in many families, a new generation of cooks would rather, <laughs> rather than hand them down, download them. According to a new survey of 2,000 people, shows Americans would rather look up how to cook something on YouTube than consult the family chef. This is a non-scientific poll, uh, but interesting nonetheless shows that 35% of uh, those surveyed use YouTube and 31% read food blogs compared to the 21% who ask friends and family for their recipes. So kind of interesting. I'd rather just go online than ask. And maybe that has something to do with pride. You know, we don't want people to know that we don't know you know, we don't want other people to know what we don't know. Anyway, uh, social media is a heavy influencer when it comes to the kitchen, while cooking shows are inspiration for half of home chefs. 45% say they learn about food trends from social media, and 42% consult food blogs. In fact, the poll revealed that the average person follows at least four food-related accounts, either blogs or social media accounts, TikTok, YouTube, and that kind of thing. So, kind of interesting that the tried-and-true traditional family recipe may be a thing of the past, thanks to the Internet. Just another reason the Internet is ruining our lives. You have a bunch of uh, recipes from your mom, from your grandma, and mm-hmm. all of that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but you also, my, yeah, my favorite recipe book was from your mom. Yeah. yeah. So, family mm-hmm. recipes that are handed mm-hmm. out through the uh, generations. But you yep. will also go online. You oh, watch yeah. cooking shows and yep. social media and YouTube yep. and TikTok. you know all of that. TikTok is very yep. Uh, popular. Yeah. So that was just kind of a, an interesting daily download that uh, survey. Um, that people would rather, this new generation of cooks would rather go online, uh, rather download than hand down recipes okay. uh, over the uh, generations. Yeah. Now, we should mention that it's very important to remember that not everything that YouTube has are things that people should eat. Right. Or are good. <laughs> Well, that's true, too. <laughs> but I'm thinking like the Tide Pod Challenge and all of that. I mean, you shouldn't eat all of the no. the things that you see on the uh, Internet. So do keep that in mind. Yes. You can trust, though, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Oh. My wife, Kyra, uh, <laughs> is here with another collection of uh, recipes. And it's been a couple of weeks, obviously, because we've been uh, on, vacation. on vacation. We were on vacation last week and yep. the Friday before. So yep, it's left. been a little while so, since yeah. we've done this. It's been a couple weeks. But uh, we have uh, some uh, more tasty and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's is kitchen to finish up the week this morning and i love these the easy hot ham and cheese sandwiches yes. just very basic yes just basic, very basic but really good and really nice good. and warm you know so uh two cans of pillsbury crescent dough sheets uh if you don't have the sheets you can use the the regular crescent rolls you'll just have to mm-hmm. get all the seams um put together 12 uh 12 pieces of deli ham um, eight slices of Colby Jack cheese, one to two tablespoons of Dijon mustard. If you don't have Dijon mustard, any type of mustard works. Right. Uh, three to four tablespoons of butter melted, one teaspoon of parsley dried, and a half a teaspoon of garlic minced 
um, or dried. So you can, the garlic, you can go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you have. Uh, preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Take the dough out of the tube and roll it out. Line or grease a 7 by 11 baking dish with parchment paper or nonstick spray. Uh, lay the dough down in the baking dish. Uh, bake for the time required on the tube. Remove uh, when cooking time is up. Then spread the Dijon mustard over top of the cooked croissant bread. Layer on four pieces of cheese or as much as you would like to cover the surface of the bread. Fold each ham piece in half and lay on top of your cheese. Then top your ham with the remaining slices of cheese, so lots of cheese. Uh, (laughs) Remove the second batch of dough from the tube. Place on top of your cheese slices. Then in a small bowl, melt some butter, add your parsley, brush that on top of your dough, and then bake for an additional 20 to 25 minutes or until the dough is golden brown on top of the sandwich. And then heat heated through and then um, make sure all your cheese is nice and melty mm-hmm. uh, remove from the oven let it rest for about five minutes that'll make it easier to slice because that cheese is melty it is melty yeah and then cut and serve It'll firm it up just a little yeah, bit yeah just so, a little bit little uh, little ham with your cheese sandwich yeah there. I know uh, that's it. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's they're really good really good yeah they are really good and a, a lot easier uh, than yeah. maybe what it sounds yeah. like there it's, yeah. uh, once you get it's into it that. it's it's yeah. pretty easy it's just Some putting everything stuff. on and thrown yep. it together. Good stuff. So, yep. uh, and then in traditional fashion, and these are this is a great recipe for these uh, cold uh, yeah. fall, winter yep. evenings. To yep. go along with that, you've got a recipe for bean and bacon yes, soup. Yes, I love bean and bacon soup. It's one of my favorites. Uh, so uh, three cans of small white beans drained, three cups of chicken broth, one carrot diced, a rib of celery diced, a half an onion diced, two tablespoons of minced garlic, one package of bacon cut into pieces, one and a half tablespoons of tomato paste, salt and pepper to taste, and then your crackers. And so that doesn't go in your soup. That goes in your soup after it's all done. Right. So drain your beans and place in the slow cooker uh, in a skillet or large pot. Uh, add your bacon and cook until crispy. Remove and set aside. Then add your chicken broth or your chicken stock. Uh, your carrots, your celery, your onions, your garlic, your cooked uh, bacon, your tomato paste, all into the slow cooker. Uh, give it a good stir and let it cook for about three to four hours on high or five to six hours on low. Uh, remove about one and a half cups of the soup and put it in in a food processor and blend it. And what this does then when you add it back to the soup is uh-huh. it makes it a thickener. So it kind of thickens hmm. up the soup a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, because okay. of the so starch just, and the beans and all that. Okay, so, so yeah. just about a cup and a half. Yeah, cup and a half. So, all yep. right, yep. all right. So then, uh, uh, then you can um, add that, mix it in, let it thicken up a little bit, and then uh, serve it with some extra bacon, um, green onions, uh, cheese, whatever you want, and put that on top, and then your crackers. Okay, that is and enjoy. Uh, and uh, really interesting insider tip there about yep. uh, thickening up the soup by yep. uh, uh, blending uh, together mm-hmm. in a food process. About a cup and a half, you said. About a cup and a half. Really yep. interesting. And then for dessert, uh, we've got a recipe for Reese's Pieces peanut butter.
butter ball. Yes. Reese, a Reese's or or balls? Mm, well, Just one it's big one ball big ball. Yeah. One that big you can, ball you, that you slice off. And, yeah. You or, can and then spread on your on your um, or dip your your graham cracker in or your pretzel oh, in. Oh, okay. It's like a, All right. It's like a cheese ball. A cheese ball, but it's, but a, it's a Reese's a, Pieces peanut, peanut butter ball. ball. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So one and a half packages of cream cheese softened, uh, about 12 ounces total, uh, one cup of peanut butter, three-fourths cup powdered sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, uh, three-fourths cup of miniature Reese's peanut butter cups, uh, coarsely chopped, and one to two cups of Reese's Pieces cup uh, candy. Uh, so in your electric mixer, uh, blend your cream cheese, your peanut butter until combined nice and smooth. Um, add your powdered sugar and your vanilla, uh, and then beat that until it's nice and smooth. Uh, fold it in your Reese's peanut butter cups. Line a small bowl with a plastic wrap, or if you whatever type, if mm-hmm. you don't have plastic wrap and you have wax paper, that works too. Okay. Uh, spoon your mixture into your bowl um, over the plastic wrap. Then take the plastic wrap and kind of bring it up around your your. Um, uh, your your dough, okay, um, and then kind of form it into a ball, seal right. it up, and put it in the fridge, okay, okay, and then let that in the fridge for at least an hour or so. Then remove the plastic, let it soften, and then roll it in your peanut butter ball or your peanut butter. Um, put your peanut butter ball in your Rice Krispie. Uh, are your rice, Reese's Pieces, I'm sorry, into your Reese's Pieces candy. <laughs> no Rice Krispies. No this. Rice Krispies, okay. yes. Reese's Pieces <laughs> Still early candies. in the morning. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, then place it back into the fridge for a little bit um, just to get it kind of uh, hardened up a little Firmed bit. because up a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because you, um, uh, you want to soften it a little bit to roll it in the Reese's Pieces. Got it. Uh, then when it's ready, um, uh, take it out of the... Um, the wrap, uh, place it on a plate, uh, put your graham crackers, your pretzels, your cookie wafers, your apple slices, everything Ooh, apple around slices it. Would yeah. be good. This yep. is good, big apple season. Yeah. So yep. yeah, apple slices, that. put that around it and then serve. Yeah. So no enjoy. baking, no baking no involved. Baking. Uh, no bake nope. Reese's pieces, peanut butter. Yes. Ball. Nope. That is good stuff. Yeah. So there you go. Some uh, fun, easy and tasty recipes for your family from Kyra's kitchen. We have that collection of recipes posted on our Facebook page. I have a feeling that uh, peanut butter ball is going to be really popular. Too, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, check those out uh, online at the WFIN Facebook page. Uh, it is also uh, linked up. We've got that linked up at goodmornings.net. My wife Kyra with us this morning. More recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Thanks, Kai. You're welcome. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So check us out, our little corner of the World Wide Web. Coming up on Monday, final preparations being made for the big Cops and Kids Halloween Parade. Plus, we have details on the great live entertainment coming to Findlay's Marathon Center for the Performing Arts in the month of November. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. Catch you back here next week.